Welcome everybody to the Troy First Assembly of God podcast. We created this podcast to share our weekly messages from the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here. We are in a great series called Tentacles, loving the people, not just putting up with, not just getting by, not just distancing the people who suck the life, no, loving the people who suck the life out of you. And the two things I always remind you in this whole series, and I'm going to remind you every message in this series, is it's about loving people well. As God loves us, we're called to love people. Amen? Gosh, I tell you, some of y'all need to get saved. As God loves us, we are called to love other people. Amen? Amen. Amen. There we go. The Christians woke up. Good. Uh, and so, but then the second thing I always draw your attention to is before we get into this message tonight and you start looking at, well, I tell you, I wish Elaine was here. Elaine needs to hear that. She's just like, she needs that message. We need to all ask the question that the disciples asked at the Last Supper. Lord, is it me? And when we look at difficult people, honest to goodness, we all need to be asking ourselves, am I a difficult person in somebody's life? Lord, take that spotlight of your word and go on and shine it in my heart too. Amen? And show me, God. I don't want to just be blundering along. So if I'm somebody's difficult person, talk to me about it. Tonight we're going to deal with something that I, I dare say many of you at some point in your life have had to face or something. Uh, anybody here ever had to deal with a, a, a critical person? I'm talking about somebody that who their spiritual gift is fault-finding and nitpicking. I mean, they just, and they exercise it with gusto. I, my old Mississippi pastor used to say, I said this on Sunday, but it really is the truth. There are some people that when Jesus parts the eastern sky and comes in the second coming, there are some people that are going to have something to say about the trumpet song. I don't like that song. I don't, if I was going to come back in glory, I'd have picked a different trumpet song. I don't, how many of y'all know there are some people that... My grandma always used to say they wouldn't be happy if you hung them with a new rope. I never understood that phrase. Nobody's happy if you hang them. But my grandma was just funny like that. Wouldn't be happy if you hang them with a new rope. Any of y'all know somebody that honestly goodness just criticized everything. Now if you have leaned over to the person next to you and already told them five things you don't like about this church, chances are this might be you. How do we love people who are just overly critical? Maybe you work for a boss that you never hear about anything you're doing until you've done something wrong. Then your boss is all up in your grill. Maybe you're an adult and your mom or dad still have an opinion about everything you do. How you raise your kids, how you spend your money. Maybe it's your significant other that's critical about the way you look, the way you talk, the way you walk, how you chew, how you load the dishwasher, or the fact that you leave your underwear on the ground and won't turn off the light when you leave the room. <laughs> how do we deal appropriately with and love people who are critical? There's a famous quote that's a, it's attributed to Aristotle. Aristotle said, to avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. If you want to avoid criticism, but how many of y'all know, even if you were to do nothing, say nothing and be nothing, somebody criticize you for being a bum. Somebody have something to say. In other words, if you're alive, you're going to deal with criticism. 
And we've got to learn how to manage it. Because for some of you, it's wrecking relationships. For some of you in this room, honest to goodness, it is wrecking relationships. And guys, please hear me say this. Of all the messages in this series, please turn the spotlight on your own self for this one. Because if you are somebody that cannot be made happy, hear me say this in love. You're going to get to a point where people quit trying. Any of y'all know somebody that it doesn't matter what you do, you're not going to make them happy. They're just not going to be happy. And you know, it, you try and try and try for a while, but then you just go, they're going to be miserable. If I do well, if I do nothing, if I do badly, they're going to be miserable. And guys, I'm telling you, if this is your heart, your spirit, if you struggle with this, you need to get a handle on it because you're hurting yourself. The very relationships you long for, the closeness with people you long for, you're killing it. You're killing it by being critical. And the thing about it is, guys, let's say this right at the top. Most people that I know that are incredibly critical, I would say in the high 90 percentile, they think they're being helpful. They think they're right. Any of y'all ever have somebody that's just incredibly critical? And they're, the first thing is they're, in, they're just amazingly convinced of their rightness. I'm right. And you need my help. You really, you need my help. And so I'm going to help you by telling you everything you're doing wrong and how you ought to fix it. And so, but guys, in this case... The best of intentions can work against relationship. And I'm going to say this as a parent of an adult by now. Because, guys, the Bible says that the dad doesn't pay for the sins of the adult children. But that if the adult children sin, it's on their own head. That's in Leviticus, it's in Deuteronomy. And I'm telling you, you're going to get to a point with your children as you, and this is the cruel way that the whole thing is set up. Because when they're little bitty, they come to you and they say, Daddy, what's right? Daddy, why is the sky blue? And when you tell them, they go, and they'll go to, they'll, they will go to school in the third grade and tell people, my daddy's the smartest guy in the world. He knows everything. But then they get up to be 14. And my daddy is the dumbest stump I have ever seen. He don't know. He don't understand. He don't know nothing. Then they grow on up. And hear me say this, guys. You get to a point. You have to keep your mouth shut until you're asked. I'm just telling you. If you want a good relationship, you have done everything you can do to instill values in them. You have given them what you can give them. And un. My mama always said it this way, and I think it's a pretty good way to say it. Unsolicited advice is never appreciated and seldom heeded. Unsolicited advice you don't ask for. So just let's just get into this now and let's see what the Bible says. An unrelenting stream of criticism, if you're doing this, it's destroying chances of relationships. So let's look at four thoughts, four things 
to be able to love as followers of Jesus. And I want to look at how Jesus did it in large portion. In large portion. So let's look. Because how many of y'all understand, if there was ever a person who was picked apart and criticized, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody, anybody read the New Testament? He eats with sinners. He does this. He don't, doesn't obey the Sabbath. He can't be God. He's a... John the Baptist, they talked bad about him because he wouldn't eat. Jesus, they called him a glutton. John the Baptist, they said he was a weirdo because he lived out in the desert and lived a very austere, stern kind of life. Jesus, they said he's a drunkard because he, he carouses and sits down and eats with sin. They called him a friend of sinners. They got, and they got so far as to say, well, you know how he's casting out those devils. He's got a devil. What? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Jesus said, Y'all, if, if I was the devil, I wouldn't be casting out devils. I'd be casting in devils. Y'all are just crazy. Jesus is the most, the most criticized person there's ever been. So what, let's look at a couple ways Jesus dealt with it. Here we go. First one out. Simply don't respond. My old Mississippi pastor would say it this way. Just because they got the gall to say something doesn't mean you owe them any response at all. I don't mean that harsh or ugly. But look, just because somebody criticizes you, you are not obligated to respond. And this can be incredibly freeing. If you can get yourself to the place where you can honestly think that's your opinion. It's not my opinion. I, that's what you think. And let it be. Just let it be. Look at what the Bible says. And this, guys, is Simon Peter writing this. If anybody stood there and watched it happen, Simon Peter saw it. So look what Simon Peter says about Jesus. He, capital H, Jesus, who committed no sin, nor was there ever any deceit found in his mouth. While, get it, while he was being abusively insulted, he didn't turn around and insult in return. How many of y'all wish that was easy? Is there anybody other than me that is cursed with the gift of comeback? I mean, I can think of a great comeback. Do you know one of my favorite French idioms? Do you know what an idiom is? An idiom is a word that doesn't mean what it says it is. It's just like, watch right here. Uh, it rained cats and dogs. That's an idiom. No cats or dogs came out of the sky. It just was a hard rain. That's an idiom. The French have a word for something that we don't even have a word for in English, but it's my favorite French idiom. The French have a word for the perfect comeback that you think of too late. Have you ever had somebody say something ugly to you and then later, like 10, 15 minutes later, you think, I wish I'd said that. That would have put them in their place. That's the perfect comeback. The French call this um, the witch of the stairs. Uh, in, in French, it's l'esprit d'escalier. But l'esprit d'escalier, the witch of the stairs, only comes when you're going down the stairs and you're finished with the interchange. And you go, 
That would have been the perfect witch to say. That thing would have been, guys, come back. I, it is so easy. It is so human. But look at what the scripture says. While Jesus was being abusively insulted. How many of y'all know he was being abusively insulted? Guys, if I was God and I had the power, there'd have been some people fried. I'm just telling you, you call me a dead, you'd say some of the things to me that those people said to Jesus. Well, if he was a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman this was touching his feet. If he, if I, if he was a prophet, who do you think you're talking to? And, and don't even get me started on him standing there with his mouth shut while they were spitting on him. Now, I don't know about y'all. It's one thing if you're a weakling and you can't do anything about it. But it's another thing to be God. And Jesus didn't even have to have use of his hands. Jesus could have had his hands tied behind his back. And he could have just gone with one finger and every one of them been incinerated. But the Bible says while he was being abusively insulted. He did not insult in return. While suffering, he did not threaten but he, Jesus, kept trusting himself to the one who judges righteously. You know what? The only opinion Jesus was ever concerned about was his father's. Now, guys, I know this is a, this is a mature Christian message. This is not a message for Christian 101. This ain't easy. But this is the biblical way. To deal with a lot of stupid stuff people are going to say to you. It's just go, huh. Just turn and walk off. Friend of sinners, not a compliment. He was drunk, ate too much, partied hard. He was a heretic. <laughs> Jesus entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Didn't retaliate, didn't defend himself, didn't complain to his disciples. Anybody ever notice that? You never hear Jesus say, that bunch of stupid congregational people. Can you believe they would? He did. You never see one of these times where Jesus takes even his close friends aside and grouses about the crowd or grouses about the other disciples. You ever see this? Jesus never talked bad about people. How do you respond to critical people? Well, hear me say this, guys. Sometimes you don't. Be free. Be free. Be free from feeling like you've got to justify your actions. Be free from feeling like you've got to make an excuse and show, I just want you to understand why I'm doing that. that not your business. Amen. Not your business. You don't have to justify yourself. You don't have to explain yourself every time. Sometimes you can just go, that, that's your opinion. And that's enough. Jesus did not open his mouth. So sometimes you just don't. Just because a person has access to you doesn't mean that they merit or can demand a response out of you. Look at what Proverbs says. A person's wisdom yields patience and it is your glory to overlook an offense. Do you know what this overlook is? It's the same word used in Exodus when the Bible says the angel of death passed over. 
As I was praying on this, as I was working on this message, I just got a mental image of a pilot in a plane. And he's not going to hit the mountain, but he's heading into some tall, just the tops of trees. And it's just going to beat the plane to death. And you know what the pilot does? He just pulls back on that, that, that control just a little bit and goes, mm, just gets above it. Guys, it's your glory to overlook an offense. Here, let me give you a southernism. You can say this and mean it with your whole heart. There's a reason we in Alabama say, bless your heart. Does anybody know what that means? Well, well bless your heart. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, ask somebody that's laughing right now. Okay, I'm just telling you. Bless your heart. That's sweet. It's not denial. It's get on top of it. Or, here, hear me say this, guys. Not a life-threatening situation. It's just a little bit of turbulence. Best thing to do is pull back on your controls and just sail up over it. In fact, it's your glory to overlook an offense. So here, help me preach this message. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, get over it. <laughs> Literally, get over it. Get over it. Just get over it. You know what this is? This is what Craig Groeschel calls real-time forgiveness. Real time. It's forgiven, but it's forgiven in real time. Normally, when you have to forgive, Adam offends me. Adam does something, hurts me. Adam, and so I get offended. I have an offense, and I get mad. And so I have a problem with Adam. And then we have to work it out. And God then deals with my heart. And I have to forgive Adam. And I make it right. And I say, Adam, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to let this go. That's a big old process. Watch right here. It's better if I can forgive in real time. Adam offends me. And I go, yeah, I'm not going to take an offense today. Because hear me say this. Offenses must be picked up. The most anybody can do is give you a chance to take offense. But our English language is accurate. You take offense. They don't do it to you. Now, they may give you a great opportunity. They may put an offense right in the middle of the road, right in front of you, and, and, and there's your big old offense. But the truth of it is, if you don't reach down and pick it up, you don't take offense. Forgive in real time. Let it go, let it go, let it go, Elsa. I'm just saying. It is your glory to rise above. Forgive in real time. I'm not going to waste three months being upset and bitter and get over this later. Nope. I'm going to get over it right now. I want to defend and I want to set them straight. But hear me say this. Sometimes it just isn't worth it. They're not going to be convinced anyway. Do you know why Jesus did not argue down the Pharisees? They weren't going to be convinced anyway. When there's so many wonderful southern proverbs that come to mind. One of my favorite southern proverbs is don't try to teach a pig to sing because it wastes your time and annoys the pig. Pig ain't going to sing. 
And some of y'all, by your justifications and some, and try, you're trying to make them understand. You're trying to make some guys. If they're not going to understand, they're not going to understand. They're not going to understand. So let it go, let it go. I'm just saying, let the Spirit of God rise you over, let lift you up above it. Choose in real time. God, I could let that thing they just said, I could let that thing get in my heart. But you got something better for me. I'm going to not let something lure me off the higher call you got for me. I'm going to let it go and I'm going to move forward. I'm going to rise above. Next, sometimes you respond carefully. Sometimes you do respond. But when you do, you respond Carefully, and hear me say this, guys. I did not say you react instinctively. There's a big difference between reacting and responding. Amen? Anybody here ever been stung to anger? Do you know that as I have... I've been married now 39 years. As I have been married low these 39 years, you know one of the things I've learned? When, it, when Rebecca makes me mad, which is very seldom, but it does happen because you live with any human being. I mean, I know y'all probably can't believe it, but there are times, probably one, maybe two in our 39 years together, there have been times when I have been annoying. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine it, but I see myself just as sweetness and light. But I mean, sometimes people say I can get on their nerves. I've never understood it. But hear me say this. Today, if Rebecca does something that makes me mad, you know one of the reasons, one of the big reasons why I don't turn around and pop off at her is because if I say something in anger to her, God's going to deal with my heart later on and I'm going to have to come down and apologize. And if I'm mad at you, Dad Nevin, I don't want to have to come apologize to you. So I ain't going to say nothing I got to apologize for later. I'll just hush. I'm going to sit here quiet so at least I don't then have to come groveling back and apologize to you. Because we both know you're wrong. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know exactly what I'm saying. Responding is a very different thing than reacting. Reacting is emotional. Responding is spirit-led and thoughtful. There's a great example of this in the Old Testament. A guy named Gideon is coming back from a battle where he was victorious over some folks called the Midianites. Now he is confronted. These people that got mad at Gideon did not come help him with the battle. But they're Israelites. They're his own people. And they were mad because they weren't invited to the battle. And I'm sitting here going, invited? Y'all need an engraved invitation. The Midianites are running us down. And you saw us going out there to fight them. You should have joined. But... The Ephraimites, his cousins, his kinsmen, the folks from Ephraim were mad that Gideon won a battle without them helping. And so look at what the Bible says. The guys come and they say, why didn't you call us? You went out fighting Midianites, why didn't you take us? You just want all the glory for yourself. Now guys, Gideon could have flown off the handle. The men of Ephraim said to, to Gideon, What is this thing you've done to us, not calling us, when you went out to fight against Midian? They quarreled with Gideon vehemently. You ever had anybody quarrel with you vehemently? Ugh. But Gideon 
Look at this now. I love Gideon. Gideon says, what have I done in comparison to what y'all have done? Is the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim not better than the vintage of Abiezer? Don't go to the next slide. I want to explain that so you understand. Gleaning is after the, the harvesters come and you're getting the little leavings. So Gideon says, hey, y'all's grapevines are so good that even to get your leavings is better than our best. So why are you mad at me? What have I done in comparison with y'all? Is not your leftovers better than our best? And keep going. God has handed over to you the leaders of Midian. You captured the kings, Oreb and Zeb. Zeb. You say those vowels, and I have a hard time with that. Zeb. Oreb and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? See, guys, Gideon was smart. They were mad because it was like, why didn't you have, you just want all the glory for yourself? And Gideon says, I might have fought the army, but y'all captured the kings. What have I done in comparison with you? And the Bible says that their anger toward him subsided when he said that. Sometimes you just choose to answer carefully. You choose to answer carefully. You know, Jesus did this all the time. When Jesus did choose to answer, a lot of times he answered with things that themselves had no answer. They came to Jesus and they were mad. By whose authority are you doing all this stuff and saying all By whose authority? Who told you you were? You're acting like you're God. And Jesus said, well, okay, I'll tell you whose authority. You answer one question for me and I'll tell you anything you want to know. You tell me. That baptism from John the Baptist, was that from heaven or was that just, just from men? Was that just natural or was that God? And the Pharisees sitting over there going, alright, now if we say it's from heaven, Jesus is going to pop back with, well, why didn't you believe it if it was from heaven, if it was God? But if we say it was just people, the whole crowd's going to get mad at us because they believe it was God. And so the Pharisees talked and talked and talked and they finally went, we don't know. We, we don't know if John's baptism was heaven or just people. And Jesus said, well, till you know that, I'm not going to answer your question either. And I'm like, it's just like they try, they, people get up in Jesus' grill all the time. And Jesus never pops back in anger. He always said, you're supposed to pay taxes to those evil Romans. We all hate them. They're just here. They're killing us. And they're taking all our money. Are, you, are we supposed to pay taxes? And Jesus goes, show me one of those coins you used to pay the tax. Whose picture's on it? Well, give Caesar the stuff that belongs to Caesar. I suppose you give God stuff that belongs to God. Guys, if you will hold your tongue for just a second, God will enable you to respond with godly wisdom. He will, God's Holy Spirit will rise up on the inside of you and give you a response like Gideon. Hear, hear what I'm saying here, guys. Sometimes all a critical person needs is to see just a little clearer, get a little understanding. But they'll never get it if you're defensive and argumentative. People can criticize with no background information. Any of y'all ever had somebody come to you with, why in the world are you going back to school? 
You're going to go serve in full-time ministry? That's stupid. You ought to be making money. Andrew, you're young. Why would you give all those hours to the church? Why do you make job decisions based on having Sundays and Wednesdays off? That's dumb. And they're not paying you at the church near enough for what you're giving. You're going to tell me you're going to be a stay-at-home mom? When you've got all that talent, you have a degree. Or you're on the other side of that argument. You're going to go to work when you want to be a stay-at-home mom. God gave you that precious baby. How many of you ladies know you can't win? No matter which way you decide on that, you're going to have somebody got an opinion. Amen? I'm just saying. Sometimes the best thing you can do is to offer context. These are my values. Or this is what my husband and I have decided is best right now. Or this is the way I feel like God is leading me. Guys, all of those statements are unarguable with. To say, these are, my husband and I have talked about this, prayed about this, and these are my values. Or this is what I feel like the Lord's asked me to do. How's somebody going to argue with that? And if they start arguing with that, that's when you just go, okay, I'm going to let you have that. One of my very favorite stories, this is just a fun message to preach because it does, it brings up so many wonderful stories. I had a friend of mine one time tell me that he figured out how to never have an argument. And I said, how do you do that? And he said, well, if somebody stupid comes up to me and just starts laying into me with their opinion, I just tell them, well, you're right. He said, I don't even argue. If I know they're, if I know they're stupid, I just say, hmm, well, you're right. And I said, dude, that's a lie. You can't do that. You can't just tell people that. That is not the right thing to do. And he said, you're right. <laughs> I was so mad. I'm telling you. And you're like, well, I don't argue with stupid people. I just <laughs> The trick is, guys, to respond thoughtfully, prayerfully, spirit-led, and don't react. One time I was in a workshop, and they taught us a really cool technique. When you really are stung to anger, and you really want to react, grab a piece of paper. Doesn't even have to be a good piece of paper. It can be a scrap piece of paper. It can be the back of a piece of paper. Grab that piece of paper, and flip it over onto a clean side, and write out the worst response you can think of. I cannot believe you idiot. You're getting up in my business. So who invited you anyway? Who told you that? And I mean pour out your heart on paper. Just write out everything you want to say to this person. Then as soon as you get it all written out and you're done. Look at it. Tear it up. And thank the paper. For keeping you from doing something stupid. They did. They told it. They said literally. Tear it into pieces. And thank it. Paper. Thank you for keeping me from doing something really stupid. That, because guys. Hear me say this. The slowness of writing it out longhand. It'll help diffuse a lot of that junk in you. In you. And so then thank that piece of paper. For having served its purpose. And throw it away. Do not try to do this in text because you might accidentally hit send. Don't do it. Don't do it email or text. Do it longhand in paper. Guys, truth to tell, a lot of times the criticisms that are coming at you are not about you at all. 
Many times criticism, especially criticism that's angry, is born out of a wound in their own lives. Critical people a lot of times, angry people a lot of times are hurting people. There's a wound, there's something they don't like about themselves that manifests in a critical spirit. Think it through. Have you ever met a well-adjusted, happy, productive, pro positive person who constantly bangs out hateful comments on Facebook? There's no such thing as a well-adjusted, productive, happy person who bangs out these hateful things on Facebook. <coughs> so I'm not justifying their behavior, but God grant us a little bit of understanding and a little bit of grace when we encounter hurting people. Amen? Amen. Next, sometimes when somebody's criticizing you, we need to listen and make a change. Oh, Pastor, I'm not going to make a change. I'm not going to listen to them. Guys, if there's something to be learned, there's something to be learned. If there's something that's a value, if there's something that's true, well, that's not what I came to hear tonight. Why don't you just hush, Pastor? Sometimes the best thing, the most spiritual thing, is recognize that there's actually something to in a harsh critic who points out the truth. Sometimes, I know, I'd love for it to be a loving, constructive critic that has my best interest at heart. But can we be honest for a second? Sometimes, not always, but sometimes, people who are being really hard on us are right. Whether they're telling us in the right spirit or not, they're right. Listen, guys, if everybody tells you you got a problem, chances are pretty good you got a problem. Alcoholics Anonymous says if 10 different people tell you you have a tail, even if you're convinced you don't have a tail, probably be good to turn around and look. Probably be good for you to just go, well, all right. If your wife who loves you tells you you're yelling at the kids too much, maybe you're yelling at the kids too much. If every one of your friends or your mom and dad and your professors and your sorority sisters all tell you that you are dating the devil, maybe you need to cast that demon out and wait for a guy to show up and, and quit settling. Look at what Proverbs 15 says. One whose ear listens to a life-giving rebuke will live among the wise. Boy, that's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? Life, you know what a rebuke is. A rebuke is a stop it. It's a warning. It's a don't. And if you will listen when the, the rebuke is life-giving, you'll be wise. I, I absolutely love this thought. The truth of it is, if in the last year you have not changed one or two things because you've listened to constructive criticism from somebody, you're missing opportunities for growth. I'm going to say that again. If in the last calendar year you have not changed something about yourself because you were constructively criticized, no matter what spirit it came in, you're missing opportunities to grow. And then last, you need to guard your heart. Guard your heart. Sometimes you don't respond at all. Sometimes you respond very carefully, not driven by emotion, but led by His Holy Spirit. Sometimes you listen and make a change. But all times, you always work to guard your heart so you don't develop a critical spirit. 
Proverbs 4.23 is the, is the hallmark scripture for this. Watch over your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence. Because out of it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart. Guys, let me say this in this context. Because one of the ways you can guard your heart, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit as to who has access to your heart. You really need to be led by God's Holy Spirit as to who can get to you. Because if you let just anybody get to you, people who don't love you will hurt you. Sometimes people who love you hurt you, but people who don't love you will certainly hurt you. And, and let me just ask you one question in this context. If the person who is saying these critical things to you, if that person is somebody that you would never go to for advice. Why are you going to let their criticism have so much place in your heart? If, if you were needing advice and you would say, well, I'd never ask them. That's not who I'm going to go to. That's not who I would choose to be one of my advisors, one of my counselors. Well, when they just volunteer to be an advisor or a counselor, why do you take it to heart so easily? And I don't mean that to sound harsh. Y'all, please hear me say this, these things in love. But I'm trying to protect you as well as help you love them. But if you take everything, everybody has the nerve to say to heart, you're going to be miserable a lot. You're going to be just hurt and miserable a lot. Because there are a lot of people who don't know where you've come from. They don't know what you're dealing with. And... I hate to say it, guys, but there are a lot of people who just don't have enough sense and shouldn't be advising anybody. I mean, I, I, I've gotten great marriage advice from people who had like 15 failed marriages and still and not in a relationship. I'm just going, maybe way. But they're, 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 they're free with the advice. They're free with the... And... Have you ever had somebody who has absolutely no idea about your struggle offer an opinion about your struggle? If you ever want a, a, a quick lesson in this, go through, go through your childbearing years barren in a church that believes in faith. That was fun. Or maybe you can be pudgy in a church and, and have people who have never had any weight issues at all. They always have the answers. And they just say, well, if you're just this. Or somebody who I've never smoked. Never has smoked a day in my life. But you know what? I got better sense than to belittle somebody's struggle who is trying. Because I know I've read and I believe people I've talked to who said that nicotine addiction is a real thing. It's a hard thing. It's a tough thing. And I have enough sense to know I don't know what I'm talking about. So I don't talk about that. But not everybody has enough sense to know they don't know what they're talking about. Amen? Amen. So if you wouldn't go to them for advice, why do you let their criticism have such place in your heart? Why do you give them that much space rent-free in your heart and in your mind. Some of y'all, I mean, you harbor statements that people have said to you for years. You, you rent them space in your head. 
when they didn't know what they were talking about in the first place. They don't know your struggle. They don't know where you've walked. They don't know. And they don't know what God is doing on the inside of you right now. Let's go and tell the truth. So you don't have to be rude. You don't have to say, oh, why don't you shut up? But you can do like Jesus and go, you know what? Of all the people that ever walked this planet, Jesus knew who he was. He was confident in who he was. He was sure about what he was here to do. And he just stayed focused on, that's my job. That's my task. That's my thing. That's what he did. And when Simon Peter stood up and said, oh, we'll never let you go to a cross. We'll never let you be killed. Jesus said, Satan, I'm going to need you to step on out the way here. Not because he hated Peter, not because he was mad at Peter, but Peter was trying to get into his purpose. And Peter didn't understand his purpose. Guard your heart, guys. Do not give space in your heart away easily or lightly. Look at what Proverbs says. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword. Anybody ever encountered that one? People who just talk rashly with no thinking. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. How do you know you're talking to somebody wise? Is their tongue sorting you or is their tongue healing you? It's a pretty good gauge. I don't want my words, Lord, my heart, my spirit to ever be cutting. I want my words, my heart, my spirit to be life-giving, to build other people up, to encourage them onward in godliness. It's so easy to fall into the trap of complaining and grousing about everything, becoming critical ourselves. I don't know what it is about human nature, but there is something that the devil will tempt you with. You'll feel better about yourself if you'll put them down. And I'm telling you, you see it all the time. Can you believe the way she dresses, wearing that thing in here, acting like she loves God? Or, my boss is a complete and utter idiot. He is the dumbest guy I've ever seen. Or, my favorite thing people grouse about, can you believe that coach? That coach ought to be fired. Can you believe he made that decision? I mean, I know I've never played a day of professional baseball in my life and know nobody would hire me to coach a team, but he shouldn't have done that. I know that much. Now the pastor's gone to meddling. <laughs> Guys, we've got to guard our heart and stay focused on who we are in Jesus. God has not called us to be the grand holy evaluator of everybody else. Nor are we to live our lives in response to every person who has the courage to give us their opinion. We've got to become deeply grounded in who we are in Jesus. When we become secure in our calling, our purpose that comes from Jesus, then criticism doesn't derail us. Because I'm already approved by God. Your approval or disapproval does not derail me because I got His approval. And that's all that's important to me. So, when I know who I am in Jesus, I don't have to let them tear me down and I feel no need to tear anybody else down. And hear this, this last bit and we're done for the night. I don't even have to convince you I don't have, to, I don't have to, to justify or explain or convince you. I can let it be. Because at the end of the day, I'm answerable to Him. And that fact frees me 
from people pleasing. And when I'm free, I can live open and honestly, and I really can love you. Let's stand up together and have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that while these things are not easy, they are scripturally sound. And God, while they're not easy to pull off, Lord, they can be done and they can be done in love. Father, I just ask you, Lord, there's so much of a temptation when it comes to stuff like this, God, for us to do it harshly, for us to do it with an agenda, for us to do it with an attitude. And God, I just ask you, keep us from that. Keep us loving, God. Keep us open. But God, help us not to take everything to heart. But Father God, to love critical people like you love us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Troy First Assembly of God. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning if you're in the area. Our address is 432 South Lincoln Drive in Troy, Missouri. Otherwise, you can connect with us on Facebook. The link for our Facebook page can be found below.